Wow. So, nevertheless, once we begin to come into agreement with God according to who He says and the promises of God in this book and everything He says about who we are in the New Covenant based on what Jesus has done and not anything that we've done to earn it, then we will become faith to faith to faith more and more Christ-like. God, Jesus was the first of many brethren. You see? He was the natural-born child of God, but we are the adopted children. And when Paul was describing that in Romans, he knew he was talking to a culture which they understood. If you were adopted... Under the law in that culture, you had all the same rights and privileges as the natural born child himself. Even if you had been a slave, which is very significant to Christians because we were all slaves when we were born into bondage, having that corrupted sin nature that happened in the garden. And we can't just blame Eve because Adam was with her. And he's the first one that God had told not to do it, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, let's look on. Last week we talked about living as the new man, understanding the things I just mentioned about being a new creation, but that it's a spirit. God is a spirit, John 4, 4. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means we have to worship him and agree with him according to what he says in the word. He's not going to change and became become like us in our unregenerated mind, but we are to renew our minds according to the word of God. This is our reasonable sacrifice, John, uh, Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that we may understand, so that we will be able to understand what the will of God is for our life. That's the hearing that Jesus always asked everybody if they had. If you really don't understand, when you first start reading the New Testament, reading through the, the four Gospels, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's like, man, did, they, did were there a lot of people in those days that didn't have any ears? Because Jesus always said, if those who have ears to hear. <laughs> but again, that's what he's talking about. That spiritual man, that spiritual awareness, the revelation of God in you. So we're talking about that and that it's true. You you are a new person. If it doesn't seem like it worked for you, but you really did have that moment when you surrendered your life to His. Your plan to His plan. You made Him not only the Lord of your life, the Savior of your soul, but you spoke it out. You believed that God, that He's the Son of God and that God, He came and lived a sinless life and was crucified for your sins on the cross and He was buried and resurrected on the third day and He lives today. Amen. Unlike Muhammad or Buddha or any of them that are still in the graves, Jesus is alive and well. And He's right here today. Praise the Lord. But let me let me see. Where were we? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's look at the 18th verse. Don't worry about the kids, y'all. I love it. I love it. I was just reading where Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And he was all, and he was inspiring us. And, and matter of fact, it was a warning to, for us all to get that childlike faith. Sort of one of those or else's. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look at verse 18. We're talking about walking as the new man. We're talking about developing hearing, hearing God, walking in the will of God, being able to know what the will of God, because the peace of God is supposed to rule in our hearts. Without that peace, we can't hear Him very well. Have you ever been just mad, so mad you could... There's so many old terminology from my old folks, I'm scared to say some of them because some of them are inappropriate. <laughs> but you could just spit bullets or spit nails or something like that. You just that you don't hear God right then. You can't. Because you're you've stepped you're not you're not you're in the spirit if you're born again. You'll never be out of the spirit again. 
But you're not walking after the Spirit. You, you're walking according to the flesh. Now, okay? That's when you don't need to keep your own counsel. You need to call a godly friend, not that carnal friend who doesn't know the Lord either and who will just agree with you and say, yeah, you don't have to put up with that. <laughs> you know, that's not your friend. Not at that time, especially. They, you need someone who will remind you, yeah, I'm so sorry you're going through that, sweetie. But then when they get you calmed down, now let's, what's, what's the Lord say? Let's pray. Let's invite the Lord into this situation. What's He say in His Word about this? And let's stand on that. That's a friend. Let's look at verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. That means to those who are unsaved. The word or the message of the cross, when we tell them about Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, that's, that's, that's silly to them. That's foolishness. You know anybody like that? But to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. He's mocking them. He's not saying they really are wise. And the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart those who think they're wise in their own eyes, you see. Where is the one who's wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. See, the Greeks are the, the scholars, the university professors of our day, you see. They, they think they've, uh, they've, uh, they've sorted it all out through science, through physics through time, space, and matter, which God created in the first ten words of the Bible. So how could He be uh, have to submit to those things when He created them? But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God, talking about the cross, no doubt, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For considering your, consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose that what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became sanctification, and who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, set us apart and redemption, so that as it is written... Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's great advice. Anytime you feel like bragging about something, give the glory to God and mean it. Don't be like the religious leaders of Jesus' day who love to pray. He called them hypocrites, though. They love to stand on the street corners in flowing robes and take the best seats at the... At, at all of the, the big occasions and pray long and lofty prayers. He said, it was all a bunch of nonsense. Just words. God, Men look on the outer appearance. God looks on the heart. Those men were doing it for political fame and for adoration of their own. You see, Jesus saw through it. Just like when He was sitting there that day in the temple and with his disciples and they're watching as people went and gave their offerings. These rich people would go and I'm sure they're looking around to see who's watching them and they put large gifts into the offering of everything they had. Their tent, you know. But these are millionaires, you know. And then a little old woman went and she put a, a mite in there which is a penny or a half a penny. And Jesus looked to his disciples in amazement 
And he says she put more than all of them. Because that's they gave out of their wealth. She gave out of her lap. That's all she had, he said. He had a word of knowledge there. He knew that that's all that woman had to live on. And by giving all that she had, God's a God of percentages. I guarantee you that. He said she gave more than everybody. Because that's trusting God. And that, that could have bought your last meal, you know. Nevertheless, go over to Second Timothy. I'm getting somewhere. It's going to take me a minute, but I want you guys to hang with me, okay? Second Timothy, chapter two, uh, verse nineteen. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Jump down to verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they only breed quarrels. Verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. He's talking about Timothy calling ministers into the service. So, but this isn't just for ministers. Believe me. The ministry now under the new covenant is is not for me or the the preachers all around to do all the praying and all the the healing and all of the the uh, ministering of the gospel. We are to raise you up to do the work of the ministry. The body of Christ is supposed to be taught to do the work of the ministry, and so I'm going to get into that a little bit further. It's not it's not the it's not the children, it's not the sheep's fault, although it's a choice, it's whether growth, growth is a choice, isn't it? We all know someone who, that, that, that local hypocrite who has been in church all his or her life on the first row, and they are just as mean and nasty and backbiting as they can be. They chose to never grow. That's why I tell my friends that are my age to say, well, well, I made my choice a long time ago. It's too late for me, you know. And then they just go try to do good things, just hoping they'll catch a break. Hey, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. The foot, the, the level, the, all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. If you start today, you'll be way ahead of 90% of the Christians that have gone to church their whole lives. Just a, the moment you agree with God, the better off you are. In every area, any area of your life that you give to Him. I said, I made the example last week. It's like, Lord, I surrender all to you. And, and you've got both hands hidden behind your back. And He's like, oh, what's that? You know, well, this is something I didn't want you to touch yet. I'm holding on to this. And He's, well, He got something better. But He's waiting for you to let go of that too. But He knows. Go ahead and grow in those other areas while you're holding on to that. But be praying about that too because he's going to show you that, hey, this this ugly that I've been holding on to, this one thing, this one unforgiving thing, this one thing of jealousy or bitterness or um, greediness or, you know, whatever it is, I, I, I forgive everybody except this one person, God. You know, or this one thing I can't let go of. This one dependency. You know, uh, you know, he, he loves that you've given him the rest, and you will grow in all those areas. But he's still saying, "Why don't you trust in me right there? I got such a better plan for you." Amen. Amen. <laughs> so where were we in the nineteen first? So go down now to chapter three. Understand this. Oh, I want to back up. Correcting his opponents in gentleness. This is telling you to be to be loving and kind and correct those who are opposed to you in gentleness and for their benefit, because God might save them. This is uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 26. 
and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So everybody you know that doesn't know the Lord and the ones that you're arguing with and that's arguing with you about God with you, they're captured in the snare of the devil. How can you hate that person? The best revelation you can get as a new believer or an old one is to realize the scripture that says that we are not battling against flesh and blood, but against the devil. That, that, that person that the enemy is influencing to say those ugly, hurtful things to you, that's not your enemy. You need to pray for them because the best thing can happen is for God to get a hold of their heart and change them. I guarantee it. And that's what he's saying. But understand this. In the last days, there will time, come times of difficulty. And I believe we're, we're there. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. This might be that person sitting on the front row of the church I'm talking about. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and lead astray. By. So these are just false prophets, right? And then look over in, in verse 4. Verse three, uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And I talk about this with folks all the time, that everything can be a ministry. Every job, everything that you do, that your life has, brings you to, is part of your ministry, as long as you're following the will of God. God, if you pray every day for God to open doors and use you, and, and, and by the way, I recommend this highly if you ever suffer from... Uh, a spirit of heaviness or, or depression, which God says He will replace with a garment of praise. So just begin to praise God, first of all, and soon, and thank God for all the things you do have, and soon that, that spirit will leave you. But the next thing is to go out and ask God to show you where He can use you that day. He'll put someone in your path, and when you do speak life into them and love and God's love and His direction, you're going to be so edified yourself do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to find out, hey, the problem I was having, the thing I was down about, is gone. How did that happen? I didn't, do any, get, I didn't get anything. I helped this other person. That's the kingdom of God. God will reward you. That's, a, that's seed that you have sown. Seed of love and seed of blessing. Go over to Revelation. Don't be scared. <laughs> When you really come to know and love the Lord, the book of Revelation is not anything to be afraid of. It's, a, it's all blessing for us, believe me. It's something to understand the, the, the breadth and height and depth, not only of God's love, but also of His power and might and judgment and all that against all those who mistreat His Son in this life. Everything to do with our eternal destiny has to do with the choices we made regarding the Son of God in this life. Amen. I'm not going to read, but I just want to, and I'm not going to go through the scrolls and how he reprimanded the churches in the beginning. But if you just turn to verse 4, we're talking about living as the new man, and I'm trying to find ways for us to agree with the spiritual laws that are in place for us to have hearing and to approach God and to, and to walk closely with Him so that He can be a help to us. Because in John 14, didn't He explain on that faithful night, Jesus, about after He gave us His peace as a personal gift, He also explained to us that God is... God is uh, that the, the the Holy Spirit will be with us and He will help us. But His name is Holy Spirit. 
Alright? And so I want us to get a little bit of an understanding if we want to draw closer to God and we want to receive better from God and be seen by other, and for Him to be seen better in us by others, which is what He really, really wants and needs, then this will help us. Revelation 4, it's only 11 verses in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. There's only 11 verses in Revelation chapter 4. And if you'll read through that, you'll see that he's talking. I'm going to let's see. Look, uh, da, 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 da. after I look, behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, and I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, come up here, and I will show you what might take place. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven. And one seated, one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the throne were 24 elders. And I want you to understand something without me reading through all this. There is a heaven with a throne in the center on which our Father God sits. And from there He runs everything in the universe which He created all with His words. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-consuming. He is God, and we are not, and He is holy, and everything there is designed to worship Him. You think of 10,000 times 10,000, it was just probably the, the best number that John could come up with for the millions of angels surrounding the throne, all there to praise and to, and to glorify the one on the throne. Our God is holy. You look in chapter 5 and you see about that worship. This is hard. And I saw at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll. In the old days they had scrolls instead of books. But that's what they're referring to. And, and, and it was written within and on the back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel, a powerful angel proclaiming with a loud voice... Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And listen, of all those in heaven, no one in heaven or on earth, no one was able to open the scroll or to look in it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. And one of the elders, though, turned to John and he said, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That's Jesus. The only one in all of heaven and earth worthy to open the scroll. So I want you to focus on the throne of God, the holiness of God. And from verse 5, I want you to take the, the worship of God. They all worship God and as we will one day when we're there. We will be around that throne and we will feed from the power of that throne and we will worship God day and night. And in the fourth, <coughs> I'm sorry, in the sixth verse... He did open those seven seals, didn't he? He began opening them. This is a chapter of judgment. We talk, they talk about the four horsemen. I watched, and this is in chapter 6, when the Lamb opened one of the seven scrolls and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice, like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse 
And its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. This is Jesus. This is our king on the white horse. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted. Permitted by whom? God. To take peace from the earth. So that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he was, had opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in its hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat, a denarius, and three quarts of barley for denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. This is about lack, suffering, famine. Listen, this is this is good. <laughs> when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature. This is verse seven, saying, "Come." In verse eight, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth. Authority by whom? By God. To kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. Listen. The message. The message is that we are called out of the world to be sanctified, set apart, made holy. It doesn't mean we, we can't exist or work or live in the world. We're here. We have to get out of the salt shaker, don't we? That means we're supposed to get out into the world and share God's light with a sick and dying world because we were like that at one time ourselves. But we're not supposed to get it on us. Jesus was able to go into the bars and this and that and he ministered to all of them. Didn't mean it got on him. He was... He was he was very prayed up, as you might say. When you're a, a baby Christian or immature and you still have, you know, you're just glad to be free and you're still calling yourself a, a, a this or a that and it's a day-by-day thing, then you haven't understood the gospel yet and you don't really need to be submitting yourself to those sorts of situations. Amen. Because there's a 12-step program works great for someone who needs 12 steps who doesn't understand the revelation of the freedom found in Jesus Christ. But there is a one-step program. We're trying to get that Christian past the milk stages and onto solid food where they can really be a help. Where they can walk into those 12-step programs and go, no longer needed. There's just one step. And he's real and he's powerful and he's ready and willing and able and he's right here with us for all who will. The message is we have to keep that white horse ahead of the other horses. You understand? Ahead of the famine and the pestilence and the murder and the judgment which is surely coming. But you notice the white horse went out first. Jesus And we are His feet and hands and mouthpiece in this earth. If we can get to those people that the other three horses are coming for with the white horse prior to their coming, then they'll be redeemed and they'll meet you in heaven. And they'll come knock on your door one day and they'll talk about it. You might affect them directly or indirectly. It's my feeling and and God's mercy that we affect more people for the body of Christ in a positive way that we don't know about than we do know about. If we we know about as many as we do affect in a positive way, it might go to our heads. And it's much better to let God have all the glory because it is Him anyway. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 14. Verse 11. 
Jesus says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's a good one to tape on the mirror in your bathroom and on the rear view mirror of your car. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. It's not a maybe. If Jesus said it, that settles it. If this, if this scripture, and like all the others, were not true, everything we know would come unwound. And, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There's a promise. You see, don't just look at the negative side. Look at the promise. Oh, he who humbles himself will be exalted. We know that promotion comes from whom? God. Promotion comes from God. We think it comes from the rich guy down the street or the boss that we need to find favor with. God will give us favor with that if we just live live His way. If we live, if we just are led by the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, we're going to be that person that God can use. And He definitely wants Christians in charge of businesses, in charge of a political arena, in charge of newspapers, in charge of Hollywood. He wants Christians at the head of those things, doesn't He? And it's time for us to take them back. But people need to start believing for them. We need to speak it into existence and believe and ask the Holy Spirit who has who is that one that comes alongside. That paraclete is the name for it. But it's the, the meaning of that is one who comes alongside as a helper. That's the Holy Spirit. And that is God Himself. And if we will talk to Him and make Him our friend, He is right there. He is a gentleman though and He's not going to enforce Himself on our free will. And He will let us struggle in our emotions. And if we live out of our soulish realm instead of the Spirit, if we live out of the things that we can feel and see in our thoughts, and I can't help what I think, and I can't help who I love, and this and that, which are all lies based on the wrong thinking that has been downloaded into us through these eye and ear gates through the world. We need to get to a place where those thoughts agree with His thoughts And then there's nothing that we can't do. Jesus said the things that I do, you will do. And even greater things will you do in this earth. People said, wow, well, I heard a preacher say, well, maybe the greater things he was talking about was love. Well, how did anyone love any greater than he did? How about let's just focus on the things that he did do? If we're going to argue about the greater things, let's just focus on the things that he did do. Well... I remember Peter saying, haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil? Let's start there. Let's start there. And then we'll worry about the greater things. I think if we start with the things he did do, then we'll be prepared for the greater things he has for us to do. Amen. Sometimes we ask and believe for things and we don't get them and our hearts are broken and God is God didn't give them to us because He loves us more than more than we can imagine. He's not gonna give us more, whether it be in life or in ministry or in money or whatever else we're believing for. He why if he after he brought us this far, would he give us something that he knows would destroy us that we're not prepared for, that we're not prepared to handle? Because we haven't come far along enough and understanding, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how grace and peace are multiplied to us in our lives, through the knowledge of Him. He says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. This doesn't mean they didn't pass their math exam. He's talking about knowing Him. John seventeen three. Jesus was praying on that fateful night. And it was the most interesting prayer. He just stopped and in the middle of it, he did something I thought was peculiar. And I asked him, why did you do that, Lord? Because he was praying for the disciples, right? He was praying for us. But then he, 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 he acted like he was telling God something. He's, and he's told, he's, he wanted us to have eternal life. And he said, and this is eternal life. And then he defined it. Like, and I'm like, you're not saying that the Father needed an explanation or or a definition of eternal life. (laughs) No, he says, that was for you. 
He said, this is eternal life. That they know you. Know, and that's the same word that they use in Genesis where it says Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. An intimate relationship. Not sexual, obviously. But that passionate relationship. He said, this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you have sent. That's it. Eternal life doesn't begin when we get to heaven. It starts at the moment of salvation. The moment we enter into a passionate relationship with Jesus and with the Father. And I'm, I'm encouraging you to invite the Holy Spirit. Because He's the third person of the Trinity. And He, it, to me, is the, the most humble of all. He doesn't even want glory. He wants it for the Father and the Son. There's an entire chapter in Genesis I can show you where it's a it's type and shadow of the author of this book, the servant that that uh, that uh, Jacob sent to get Isaac a, a, a bride, uh, uh, Rebecca. And I'll go into that another time. But listen, this exaltation, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Like I said, I don't blame Christians for the most part. I blame, I blame the pulpit. And we have to be very careful here. But when God called me, I refused. Because I knew how bad I had been and how long I had been that bad. And I'm like, I love you. And I'm thankful that you saved me and brought me into the light. And came into my home the day I begged you to. And into my marriage and my family. I will never not serve you. But what do you want me to preach for? There's a church on every corner. And they all disagree. What am I supposed to say? That was my excuse. I thought I'd get out of it. And he didn't say anything. And when he gets quiet. It's because he already t- Go back to the last thing he told you. He had changed his mind. I said, well. <laughs> if I'm going to do it. You're going to have to teach me. And his answer was okay. <laughs> but I'm very careful about talking about his ministers. Because if they're doing his will, he, he said, if, they, if they're not scattering, they're gathering, you know, just leave them alone. So we try, we bless them and we love them and we hope for them. And even for me, because I don't get everything right. So it's not like that. But what I'm saying when I want to say that it's the fault of the church I have to find scriptures to stand on you know what I'm saying otherwise don't say it and he showed me some things and I just want to share this with you and then we'll be done Ezekiel chapter 34 and remember in the old covenant when he talks about Israel you see it as the church now because because we have become his people amen The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel the prophet in in, in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, against the preachers, against the religious leaders. Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel is right after that fun book of Lamentations. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak... You have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. He's talking about demons. This is all type and shadow. All type and shadow. What does he say as a matter of fact? The shepherds... Against the shepherds, shepherds, you have not, you've been feeding yourselves. This is the word of God. This is the spiritual manna, the food from heaven. The weak you have not strengthened. Where does power come from? 
for the Christian. The Holy Spirit. This is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I don't know how many, the overwhelming percentage of the church that doesn't even do it. The sick you have not healed. This is physical healing. You know, physical healing was even part of the Old Testament. And they and they had provision for it. It was through legalistic approaches, but they could still get it. But they weren't doing that even then. Now we can do it by speaking it and living it and, 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 and making sure we understand there's a physical realm that we need to do practical things that the Lord will lead us into. Most of our problems are organic that we do to ourselves. Amen. <laughs> but there's the, the soulish realm. We need to get our minds right. We need to believe that we are, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. We need to understand Proverbs 23, 7 that says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see yourself healed. You see yourself sick. You see yourself blessed. You see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you understand the fact that you will not die but live and proclaim the works of the Lord? Hallelujah. You understand that the life that I live in this body now is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the same power that raised Him from the dead lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. I'm a supernatural being. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. The injured you have not bound up. This is inner healing. God wants to heal us everywhere we hurt, doesn't He? All the bitterness and unforgiveness that hinder us and make us sick in many times. He wants to heal us. This is Kairos. You hear a Kairos ministry is in prisons and things. That's a beautiful thing. We need that inner healing. And they weren't doing that. And the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And this is evangelism. Well, it's good news that Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 4. And he, he undid all this. And He says, what well, I'm here to do. And now He's in you, baby. He's in all of us if we receive Him as our Lord and Savior. And we have a part to play. That doesn't mean everybody's supposed to stand up here like George and I have today and proclaim the Word of God in this fashion. But God's got ministry for you. I believe every one of your lives is a ministry if you let it. He's going to send somebody across your path, many people in your lifetime, that Billy Graham, me... Andrew Womack, nobody will ever be able to reach. But you will have a little testimony, a little word of encouragement for them. Something about, you know, when I was in that situation, I and I, I used to be just like that. And man, you know, I called out to God and Jesus came and saved me. And you, it's just, it's true the things they say. He's real and He's good and He will help you. That is the best sermon somebody's ever going to hear. And they're going to hear it from you. When they wouldn't listen to anybody else, because God sent them into your, them into across your path and gave you favor in their life, so that they could hear you. They had that hearing for you. Amen. Amen. There is a lot of self promotion in the body of Christ. I am careful not to oppose ministers. I love them all, and we know some of the ones. And it seems like the more famous they get, the more people are jealous and bitter. And I believe a lot of that causes it. But I would encourage, if I was speaking to 5,000 ministers, all kinds, types, I would tell them all this same thing just as a reminder of what God said. Just in case you're off track. Because I don't know what their motives are. You see, that's why I don't judge them. And I do believe in prosperity. I believe that if we ever say, oh, I don't need anything from you, God. You've done enough for me. Then you don't have an understanding of the word because the, the Bible says that we're blessed to be a blessing. And if, and if you're the sprinkler, how could you say, oh, I don't need any more water, Lord. Well, what about the grass and the flowers around you? <laughs> Amen. I'm trying to finish. I'm, I'm almost there. Will you just bear with me for just another minute? All right. Go to go to Isaiah. No, go to Ezekiel 28 because I want to I want to show somebody else because I I, I don't want to talk about ministers. I don't want to talk about pe- people who have magnified and exalted themselves and are in trouble because of it when really God should be getting the glory. 
And God gave me the perfect example of the one who did that in Ezekiel chapter 28. Now this is the Old Covenant, so it's in type and shadow. Things concealed which have now been revealed in Christ. Amen. But if you look in Ezekiel chapter 28, it's talking about a king. A king of a place called Tyre. T-Y-R-E. It's Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19. And then God taught me these things early on. And I want to use my old... It reads really well in these books here. Ezekiel chapter 28, starting 11... Or actually in verse 12. I'll go halfway through. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection. I want you to remember, this is not talking about the king of Tyre. It may have been at that time. But what this was put there for was a type and shadow of Satan himself. God says you were the model of perfection. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan was a beautiful, basically, he was a musical instrument. He was the head of the praise and worship in heaven. He walked very near to God. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. He was he was as a beautiful Ornament. That's why that's why I tell people don't look for Satan as the bad guy. He's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. He knows he knows all about God. He knows this word. He knows how to deceive you. And if he can make you think he doesn't exist, that's what he loves the best. Every precious stone adorns you, ruby, topaz, and emerald, crystallite, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. That's why he's so appealing to those who would trade their souls for a successful career or money or things like that. And, and you hear people, which like um, Katy Perry, for example, who actually said on one of the night shows, I, I wanted to be like Amy Grant, but it wasn't working for me in gospel, and so I sold my soul to the devil. Ha, ha, ha. And she laughed. It was a joke, but she said it, and I, I think she meant it. I pray that she will come back. I pray for people like Oprah, who are, is the head of this, uh, this New Age movement and bringing so many people to destruction. I pray that one of those people with such a huge voice will, will really get a hold of the true and living God. What a, what, how many lives can they turn around when they come to the truth and say, listen, I was wrong and I'm sorry. So we're going to keep praying for them, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of deception out there. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. You were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. A cherub is not just a, not like a little uh, Valentine's baby angel with a bow and arrow. These are mighty warring angels. There was two of them set outside of uh, the Garden of Eden with swords to keep them from coming back in once they had corrupted the seed so that they wouldn't live forever. If they went back in, they would have eaten of the tree of life. So God's love for us, he couldn't allow that, you see. So, But these were cherub. He was a cherub, a mighty angel. For I adorned you. God adorned him. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways. Satan at once was blameless in his ways. He was beautiful. He was wise. He was everything you could ever hope for from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Iniquity, it might say in your King James. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty. He started believing his own press. And you corrupted your wisdom. Because of your splendor, so I threw you to the earth. Remember Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as a bolt of lightning to the earth. He was a liar from the beginning, and he's a liar still. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have just desecrated your sanctuaries. 
So I made a fire come out of you, from you, and I it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground. In the sight of all who were watching, all the nations who knew you, all are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Let's turn quickly over to Isaiah, since we're right there in the major prophets. And I'll show you one more place. It's the only other place where they really have a talk about the devil in the the Old Testament. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. This is my second close. Isaiah 14. Verses 12 through 15. About this big Bible because I could find them quicker now. A lot of my tabs fell off. Isaiah 14. Verses 12 through 15. Here's another description of Lucifer. And I want to tell you. I want you to count with me, okay? Talking about pride and arrogance and exalting ourselves. And then we're using Satan as the example of what not to be. How he came, uh, how he was brought down. Every time he says, I will, I want you to, I want you to count with me, alright? Have you, how you have fallen from heaven. This is verse 12 of Isaiah 14. O morning star, son of the dawn. See, at one time he was very lofty. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. There's one. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. He wanted to be above God. He wanted to be in God's place. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the uttermost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Five times he said, I will. And he fell from grace, which is the number five. Pride is a killer. You want to walk with God, understand that He is God. Understand that He is holy. And that our praise, He inhabits the praise of His people. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling blue, when you're feeling fearful, when the hardest thing in the world to do is lift these hands that aren't very heavy, you're normally... But they get to be very weighty when you're down. Lift them up to God and begin to thank Him and praise Him. I guarantee you, it won't take long and the enemy will begin to run. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God inhabits the praises of His people. Begin to thank Him. You've got something to thank Him for. Start with your feet and work your way up. Start with air conditioning if you live in Texas in July. <laughs> we were talking uh, we've got a new grandbaby coming in October and they were over visiting the other day and Samantha she had Harper in October and we were saying man October is a great time to have a baby but you poor girls that have to carry them up to that time through that hot summer in Texas it's a it's a hard thing you know <laughs> she remembers it well <laughs> but she went through it well amen For the same reason that Jesus endured the cross. Why? Because He looked past the cross. He looked beyond the shame and the pain of the cross. And He saw you. He saw the future. And He was blessed by that. And because He was able to endure all the things that He had to go through. And that's the same thing mamas do when they're going through the pain of childbirth. When they see that baby, they forget all about that pain. And I'll tell you again, using Jesus as our as I close, 
in Philippians chapter 2, using Jesus again as our as our example, because I never want to talk about anything without understanding and letting everyone know that it's all about Him. He's the answer to all of our problems. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Where are you? Got into a different Bible now. I forgot what stuff is. There we go. Philippians. Look at chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those in Laodicea and for all who have been set seeing me face to face. Whoop, that's not Philippians. Didn't sound like it. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, which I pray that you find encouragement in these words, even though some of it was negative, we're talking about how to avoid the negative, how to be God's light, and how to help others be free from that negative. Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's already in you. You have the mind of Christ within you. Where's it at? In your spirit. Draw on that. Who through, though he was in the form of God, listen, he was God himself. He is God himself. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he made himself just like us when he was here. He set aside all of his supernatural privileges. You know the power and authority he walked in? When he was baptized that day in the Jordan River by his cousin John the Baptist, he was baptized in water, and he also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time. It can come before or after. It does not have to be in that order. It does not have to be at the same time, and I can prove it through the book of Acts. But he did receive it because the, the, the dove came down like a dove and it landed on him and stayed. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Until that time, God had prepared that man for 30 years to do a three and a half year ministry. He never worked a miracle. He never did anything else. He never healed anyone until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. You need that same help, that same comforter, that same helper that Jesus describes in John chapter 14. He never, he never, but he didn't do it. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being... He had to do that to be our kinsman redeemer. It was man who gave away our rights and privileges. It was a man who had to get it back. And being found in human form, he what? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, circle that. Therefore, what's the therefore? Because he had humbled himself... Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Not because he came and showed himself to be a great warring king and conqueror or a great politician or a great athlete or the greatest businessman. No, because he came, he was willing to come and humble himself in this life and be put to death on the lowest form imaginable on the, on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, and they will, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation 
with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. Remember that. Work out that which is already within you. Both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for stopping me there, Lord. I think think their minds can only absorb as much as their seats can endure. And we're just going to stop here, Lord, believing that You have made Your point, that You have sown Your seed. You are a wonderful farmer, Lord. And you have sown great seed into good ground today. The hearts of your children here and all of those who will hear this message in the future. I can't tell you how thankful we are, Father, that you love us so perfectly. And that you sent your Son to be the perfect example and the Redeemer of our souls. And we thank you, Lord, that you gave the plan. That Jesus paid for the plan. And now that we have your Holy Spirit, the Helper to empower us and to walk with us and guide us through this life for us to work out the plan that you have written for us. Help us to do that every day until we fulfill every day that you have written for us in your book. In Jesus' name, amen.